Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Russell. It's me great pleasure to welcome back regular co-host for What's Making News, Russell Hanby. Hi, Russ. How are you, my friend? Uh, well, thanks, Henry. And how are you today? Oh, not too bad. It's uh, it's tough times at the moment. We're, we're finally broken 2,000 in terms of new cases. Uh, that, yeah. That's uh, an unwelcome first, uh, Russell, isn't it, in the that's COVID right. stakes? Yes, I think, I think even nationally it's the highest uh, in any one day. So, uh, yes, hopefully it'll go down from now on. Yes, especially with um, the planned opening up supposedly starting in a, in a very short space of time. It's, a, it's really quite interesting. It's almost counterintuitive. A year ago when the numbers were sort of, you know, rising from 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 and so on to 750, we, we were all panicking and uh, getting stressed and we were in severe lockdown. This year we've had a long lockdown. Now we're coming out of it. Our vaccination rates are going up, but so are the COVID numbers and I wonder how we would have felt last year if we got to over 2,000 in a day. <laughs> That's right, yeah. What uh, seems to be, you say, has taken over is the, the percentage rates of vaccinations seems to be uh, leading us quicker towards uh, getting out of lockdown than the, the numbers being suppressed, which... Yes. Can, yeah. yeah, last year we were concentrating on numbers being suppressed. This year, right now, um, we're concentrating on rates of vaccination. Um, so... Of course, the unfortunate consequence of the higher numbers, um, more people, unfortunately, are dying and suffering from long COVID and others are struggling to get into hospitals. But um, let's keep our fingers crossed, Russell, that uh, things will improve. Now, the age, this is relevant to us in schools. Millions of masks on the way for pupils. Three million child-sized masks, face masks, will be delivered to Victorian primary schools from next week to help schools deliver on the new mandate that all children in grades years three to six must wear one inside classrooms. Yes, that's an interesting move. And, it is. Um, yeah, three million of them. We're going to be pretty busy in schools with uh, getting kids to put masks up and, and in some cases keep the masks on. Uh, I don't think you have to be Einstein to know that <laughs> some children will not turn up with them and you can imagine no. some of them will have difficulty in keeping them on, knowing what kids are like in general, Russell. I think so, and I don't know about how the young eight-year-olds will get on, and uh, they'll probably be the uh, ones who find it very uh, hard at first, I think. But uh, there are millions of masks on the way. Yes, most are made by Melbourne medical goods supplier SoftMed, who made 240 million surgical-grade face masks a year. The government expects to receive about a million child-sized masks by October 26, uh, when year threes and fours return. So uh, it looks like the, the schools, I guess, will be provided with the, these government-issued ones. Yes, um, obviously we will. Um, we're sitting here waiting for them, and um, it's going to be uh, quite an interesting challenge uh, every day, getting them, you know, ensuring the kids have got them all on, keep them on, and then, of course, they'll need to replace some during the day because it's very hard to have one mask for six hours at school. And, of course, uh, I think a lot of schools are doing what we're doing, and that is um, when the kids take the masks off to go outside, we've got Ziploc plastic uh, personal bags with their names on them so that the children can um, put them in there, uh, safely zip them up and then put them on again. So they only require them inside the rooms, yes, do they? Yes, at the moment, mm -hmm. yes, they do. It's going to be very – look, um, we haven't done it. It's happened overseas and it's uh, it's been obviously 
not what everybody wants, but it, they've managed it, and I'm sure we'll we'll manage it. And if it if it makes the kids uh, and the safer, then that's a good thing. Uh, it Russell, is. We'll see and how it yet, goes. At the other end of the spectrum, I see they're trying to reduce the time of isolation for any Year 12 students uh, if they've been in close contact with the COVID-19, uh, particularly if, they, if they've been vaccinated, uh, so that their exams aren't impeded uh, any more than they have been. Yeah, that's a real worry for a lot of people. Um, the Year 12 exams are coming up, and um, if kids are, for whatever reason, um, unable you know, to get out of their house, they're in quarantine or something, or ill... Um, which is also possible. It could uh, it could have widespread um, ramifications and yes. disruption. Uh, so there's a lot of stressed. I think uh, families of Year Twelve students and Year Twelve students studying on the one hand the kids and on the other hand wondering whether they'll get to their exams. Our big challenge when we were doing it, Russell, thankfully we didn't have a pandemic. Our biggest challenge I can remember, you may recall the same, was having swatted up enough to pass, let alone worry about whether or not you'd even be allowed to sit for the exam. So so I do feel I do have a lot of empathy for our our Year 12 students this year. I think it's extraordinarily difficult for them. And in the last month, they've had to get vaccinated too and uh, take time out for that and it uh, must be stressful for them one way or another. Oh, extremely so, and I, I wish them all the best. There's a game changer, Russell. This is an interesting one. Yes, this came out of, uh, well, I hadn't heard about it uh, before today or yesterday, but a, a world first, uh, from the Herald Sun, a world first streaming service that will house more than 20 local and international news channels. Under the one banner, it'll make the traditional 6 p.m. news a thing of the past, according to the boss of the new venture. Uh, yeah, so uh, it, it's a Foxtel-owned aggregation platform called Flash. Flash. And it will stream news, business, finance, entertainment and sports coverage from many sources. There's a whole heap of them. BBC World News. We've got uh, CNN International, Fox News, France 24, Al Jazeera and uh, several others as well. It, uh, they say it'll provide convenience for viewers. They can get their news uh, without having to hunt for it and at any time of the day, and uh, it uh, saves searching or waiting for the evening news. So it's going to cost subscribers uh, $8 a month for Flash. Mm, and um, I wonder what it means for people such as Peter Hitchener, who's a regular on the Viewpoints and has been uh, an anchor of uh, the Channel 9 6 o'clock news for many, many, many years now and uh, colleagues across the other stations. It'll be interesting to see what that impact is. We'll have to talk well, about that. I suppose it de- yes, I suppose it depends on the take-up, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know whether Mr and Mrs Jones will get it or whether it's people who are really into news sources, you know. Uh, obviously, journalists edit, but uh, it'd be interesting to see just uh, whether the need for the six o'clock news is a thing of the past. Yeah, well, that's true. It's all speculation. Um, of course, Foxtel's launch of Flash comes after the success, Russell, of its other popular streaming services, KO Sport, in late 2018, which now has 1.05 million subscribers and entertainment platform Binge launched in May 2020 that's got uh, three quarters of a million subscribers. So, um, it'll certainly have an impact on the news, uh, the extent to which it does. Of course, any impact would then have a ripple effect, which is um, the less viewers watching it, the less revenue they get from their sponsors uh, and their um, advertisers, and that has a, a sort of a downward spiralling impact, I would think, on, on what they end up providing. Um, Russell? Yeah. 
That's right, yes. And I think Foxtel have had to get into these other areas now because uh, there have been so many streaming services uh, in opposition to them, haven't there, in recent years, that uh, they've come up with these uh, KOs and these flashes uh, to yeah. try to get on top of it again. Yes, absolutely. Then you've got all the podcasting people, such as ourselves, who are in there doing our bit. Of course, we feed off the news platforms ourselves. Would you take a short break, Russ? Can you hold the line? Yes, certainly. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosick, and uh, Russell Hanby, my co-host. We're in the middle of this week's What's Making News. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. Now, there's a cocktail, and it's not the sort of cocktail that we're thinking of that you get at a bar. It's in the Herald Sun. Would you believe it? Retailers are bracing for a widespread product shortage amid a cocktail of disruptions that has sparked fears of shoppers panic buying Ahead of Christmas, I just noticed that my producer's walked out. I think he's going down to his local shop as he read this piece. We're on our own here, um, Russ. I think he's going to do some shopping. Robert Kelly we're talking about there. Uh, What do you think of this one? Well, it's due essentially to a shortage of wooden pallets uh, affecting major major groceries and uh, major grocers, brewers and manufacturers. Uh, in fact, uh, some large breweries are considering slashing production up to 50% due to the timber shortage. We know there's a shortage of timber for houses and other things uh, in, in, this year. And uh, some are stockpiling these pallets uh, to keep uh, enough of them. And one major supermarket expects the circulation of pallets to improve once Victoria and New South Wales ends their lockdown in the next week or so. Uh, insiders say this is uh, because supermarkets, they're not returning the hired pallets, uh, but they're giving them directly to suppliers. So there's not enough around to keep supplying them from um, the people who provide them. Uh, Australia's delivery system has also been under strain uh, due to a shortage of workers, and that's going to affect the pre-Christmas uh, supplies too. Oh, incidentally, uh, Mr Kelly's come back. I'd locked the door. He can't get out. So oh, okay. we've got him back with us. We're not on our own. Yes, no, Russell. Uh, <laughs> it's good that the producer can't comment. He can switch us on and off, but he can't comment. <laughs> we'll pay for this afterwards, this nonsense. Uh, yeah, the, pal- the pallet issue is an interesting one. And, of course, it depends who you listen to. It's like anything. It, uh, it all depends on who you're listening to at what time as to what you can believe, Russell, which also takes us on to the very next issue because and piece because we've believed something for a long time and new research has thrown doubt on it. Do you want to elaborate? Yes, from the age. Research causes a rethink on aspirin. It was once deemed a wonder drug in the fight against heart attacks and strokes, but an influential medical task force in the US has overhauled guidelines for aspirin, recommending that middle-aged and older people no longer take a low dose of the mild analgesic to prevent a first heart attack or stroke. In a move, experts hope will make Australians rethink taking aspirin preventively of their own accord. Yes, I've always thought that I, I have don't take it myself, but I know some people who were advised by doctors to have a half a tablet or whatever a day. Um, but research does cause a rethink, apparently. Um, there are bleeding risks uh, for adults 60 and over who haven't had a heart attack or stroke. That outweighs, apparently, the potential benefits from the painkiller, according to the US Preventive Services Task Force. Now, advice for daily low-dose aspirin for patients who have had heart attacks or stroke, that hasn't changed. That's still uh, based on your doctor's advice. But aspirin... In- is a blood thinner and can prevent clots forming in blood vessels. That's why it's uh, recommended for people who've had previous problems 
But there's no evidence, apparently, it prevents heart or stroke in everybody at a certain age. In fact, it could cause major bleeding in older people, says the head of Melbourne's Monash Heart, Stephen Nichols. And further to that, Professor John McNeil of the Monash Uni Department of Epidemiology, I always have trouble with that word, Epidemiology and Preventive Medicine, (laughs) said there was still a misconception among some that the drug could prevent a first-time heart attack. So uh, that's sort of news, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting how um, research, as we keep going, often tells us one thing one time and then down the track as we put more time and effort into more research, uh, it changes, but uh, it's welcome news to know that, Russell, because I think there would have been quite a few people out there taking it as a preventive measure rather than as a reactionary measure to already having suffered a stroke or a heart attack. So um, uh, you won't be taking any more, will you? <laughs> no, I haven't been taking it. I did know it had that bleeding effect. Uh, that's why they give it to heart uh, because it thins the blood and they don't want it to clog up arteries, obviously, you know. Absolutely. So um, it's good that the research has cleared that one up for us at this point in time. Now, um, I couldn't believe someone did this to an animal some years ago, but it does have a somewhat happy ending. Do you want to take us through the odd spot, Russ? Yes. Um, An elk that wandered the wilds of Colorado for over two years with a tyre around its neck, a rubber tyre, has finally been freed of its burden in a feat that took wildlife officers years to achieve. Authorities first spotted the elk in 2019 and had tried various times to free it. A delicate operation required sedating the four-year-old animal. Wildlife officers were forced to remove the elk's antlers and slip the tyre over its head after they found they were unable to cut it. So uh, that's a story that uh, I don't know whether it was put over its head as a prank or something originally, but uh, at least it's uh, free of it now. Yeah, it's uh, four years of torment for the poor elk, and clearly it must have been um, interesting they couldn't cut the tyre. Presumably they could, but the risk of cutting the animal or harming the animal was too great. So, uh, But what a poor, poor animal having to drag that around and for four years. Yeah, and you can imagine trying to eat grass and with it around its neck and probably as it got older and bigger, its neck expanded a bit and maybe it would have made it more painful, wouldn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, but I'm, I'm glad they they uh, got to a conclusion that was uh, good for the elk and I presume the elk uh, is enjoying uh, that sort of freedom. Right, so that takes us out for this week um, on, on what's making news. Uh, I hope everything up in the gullies um, in these troubling times is still safe and sound for you and your 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 loved ones yes well at the moment it is so keeping our fingers and toes and everything crossed yes absolutely well we'll catch up with you the same time next week indeed we'll look forward to it Mm, take care